Welcome to Hockey Night in New York, where Islanders hockey always reigns supreme. Whether you were raised at the barn in Uniondale or born in the stable at Belmont, Hockey Night in New York is your home for all things Isles. Now, let's drop the puck and get this party started. Ladies and gentlemen, it is Hockey Night in New York. Welcome to the program, everyone. It is Sunday, November 13th, 2022. Coming at you live from Florida Media in Rockville Center. Got another great show coming up for you tonight. Andrew Gross of Newsday will be joining us. My name is Sean Cuthbert. With me is Mr. Christopher Botter. Chris, Chris Botter, how you doing? Hey, hey, with the New York accent, a lot of people say Botter. My mother <laughs> says Botter, so nice to see you, Sean. <laughs> you as well, Chris. Great to have you here. So yes, folks, got a great show coming up. want to remind you all that we are happy to be presented by Blue Line Deli and Bagels, located at 719 West Jericho Turnpike in Huntington, 217 Carlton Avenue in East Islip, and of course, UBS Arena at Belmont. Also want to send a big thanks to sponsor Lost Farmer Brewing Company at 63A 2nd Street in Mineola. Check out the tap room there. A lot of fun stuff going on. So Chris Botta, Islanders had a busy week. The comeback kids here. A lot of come from behind wins. What's going on with this team? Is it sustainable for this team to keep coming slow out of the gate and then coming back to winning these games? I think this past week, Sean, is two mutually exclusive things. Okay. There's the, yeah, like, what a week. <laughs> right. Coyotes aside, it happens. Sure. But comeback against Calgary. Thrilling. Right? Rangers. Right? You know, uh, Columbus. Thrilling. Just Thrilling, a lot of good stuff going on with the team. That's cool. But then there's also, I don't think we still know enough about this team, right? So we've always said that it'll be around U.S. Thanksgiving when we have right. a better idea, and right. maybe we're trending toward that. But So I think, I think it's an exciting time. Mm-hmm. I think the record looks great. But I don't think we're ready to start saying this is a contender yet. Yeah, I think that's the interesting thing. Like, each week, the sample size gets bigger. We're 16 games in now, and it's when do you really kind of decide, okay, these are our, the New York Islanders. This is the team that we should expect from here on out. And there's there's been a little, um, I suppose, unbalanced to the game in the sense that they have had some slow starts, but they find a way to come back in the end. And you wonder, is this something they're going to be able to solve where they can actually put up maybe a goal or two in the early going so that we're not sweating things out in the third period, you know? Yeah, and but also, you know, on the positive side, Parisi's got a bunch of points. Palmieri's got yes. a bunch of points. All those question mark guys like, whoa, they can't do this again. I said it on the show. We said it on the show. Sure. I was skeptical about it. They've proven that to be not a problem right now. So, you know, there are a lot of really, really good signs about this. And, you know, it's funny, Sean, part of me thinks that until they get more of a steady diet, of, of really good teams playing at 100%. Mm-hmm. So, for example, Columbus, not a really good team, missing sure. six or seven regulars. They kind of had a thing going like the Islanders did a year ago with COVID, right? Right. So, so, again, a big win, a fun win. The home crowd goes home happy. Ten and six, like kind of hard to believe, right? I think they're ten and six, I right? think we all would have signed up <laughs> yeah. for that at the beginning, so right? these are all positives. I'm just let's. I'm not ready to say we all the questions have been answered. Uh, just you know, an exciting time. Goaltending's good. Uh, key, you know, clutch goal scoring. I thought it was a really good sign. It's a little thing, but when you get shut out to the Coyotes and then you come back 48 hours later at home, it's natural, even that early, for team, teams to be grabbing the sticks a sure. little tight. 
And I think you know, they didn't have a goal in the first period. The fact that they got through that, mm-hmm. again, another good sign. Yeah, I agree. And just because you mentioned the home crowd, and, and I didn't want to lose sight of this, it's just a funny nugget, but I was at the game last night, and did, I don't know if you caught it, but did you have an opinion on the Islander fans booing Johnny Gaudreau? They were booing him every time he touched the puck. Yeah, I think that's <laughs> silly to me. I think booing a lot of times, and I love these kind of questions, so thank you for asking. Sure. Um, I think booing at times just becomes sport. Okay. You know? Yeah. I mean, Pat LaFontaine got booed when he came back mm. because it was a perception. You know, we yeah. go down a, everybody, there have been guys who were wildly popular and were not welcomed back by teams, not just our team, the Islanders brothers. And, and they get booed. It, it, sometimes it just feels like a sport. That said, it almost feels a little more good-natured to me on, on the Gaudreau front. Sure. But he could have signed here. That seems fairly <laughs> well documented. <laughs> and it is offensive to a lot of New Yorkers <laughs> and Long Islanders and Elmont people. Right. That, Johnny, I get it. We talked about that in the summer. Mm. Columbus is a lovely place. Happy for him. Right. But I, I think, you know. I think it's also Islander fans showing they pay attention and showing true. that they care. That's true. Do I think that's going to be a thing we could draw for the next 10 years? Probably not, but then again, I shouldn't underestimate our, our fellow Islander fans. I suppose that's true. All right, well, with that interesting nugget out of the way, why don't we dive into these games a little bit before we bring Andrew on? You have the game way back on Monday now. Which I mean, you know, it's funny. When I said Calgary, I was like, wait, it was Calgary, right? Yeah. Honestly, it feels like three weeks It ago. does. So, no, I, so mid sentence, I was like, "Oh no, am I screwing up again?" Right, I, I have, I have a few <laughs> times here. So that's hard to believe. Yeah, it was a week, less yeah. than a week. Ago. So that's that's what started the week off here. You have the four three overtime win over Calgary. Another slow start. Um, it's just some poor defense, poor defensive coverage uh, overall led to some goals in the early going. But again, this team shows their resilience. They showed how you know you look back to the Colorado game. How it doesn't really matter. It's good to see at the very least that this team has the confidence to mount a comeback and come back, and they do it again against a what was a struggling Calgary team coming in, but what looks like a strong Calgary team overall for this season. So they were able to overcome that. They get to overtime. They get the overtime win. So a nice little two points there. I thought that was an incredible win. Yeah. Uh, you know, Calgary, you're just doing okay. I'm not a huge believer in Calgary. I think they've gotten a little overhyped for how they recovered mm-hmm. from losing Kachuk. Uh, you know, okay. I think we're going to look back and say, oh, great. So they gave Huberto a blank check, and I'm not too sure that's going to pay off well for them. Mm. Um, but all that said, it's a good team. So when they got up three zip, I'm thinking of Daryl Sutter. I'm thinking yeah, of Calgary. Right. I'm thinking of a team on the road. That sometimes that's better for the a road team can really just hunker down sure. and play tough and play boring. So I would not have gone to your local gambling site and done the thing where you get the really <laughs> right. big odds and come back. So that was really, really impressive. Um, and then they did it again the next time. Yeah, yeah, have to agree, and and you have two overtime wins actually this week, and they struggled overtime big time last year, so that's a that's a good sign as well. Um, Sebastian Ajo gets his first goal. Lee and Palmieri score fifty nine seconds apart in the third period, and Noah Dobson is having a great year. Gets that uh, overtime win on the power play. No drop off from Dobson. You know, you, you sometimes not because Char was gone, but just the fact that that the things things have changed for him, and he's playing with a different player with a different coach. But what we're seeing with Dobson, you know, as we say, a lot of things haven't been answered. Noah Dobson, he's just getting better. 
He's now the the offensive leader on the defense. I mean, he's their go-to guy as far as point getting now. It he's, is re- he's supplanted Ryan Pollock in that it, regard. It is really impressive. Sometimes you'll ask me about like you know players in the past or examples. Mm-hmm. You know, I just think of so many players, not just with the Islanders, but those are the ones that I can speak to. Uh, defenders who are counted on for offense, and it is so tough to make that jump. Sure. Uh, it started, you know, early when I started with the Islanders with a guy named Wayne McBean, who wound up being more famous for being the boyfriend of Alyssa Milano, um, <laughs> who right. was drafted fourth overall, who was acquired in the Kelly Rudy trade. Yes, this is story time, right? Oh, where I said go back. But the point is, is yeah. that this is he was drafted fourth overall by another team. Right. They traded Kelly Rudy for him. This is a guy who was, you know, highly touted and just never made that jump. And there are hundreds of defenders that we could cite across the NHL sure. and to see Dobson who just, you know, we're, we, I'm not there, but he just, uh, his approach, he's steady, uh, steady and spectacular at times. Just uh, really blown away by his maturity, yes. his development, uh, credit to the coaches too, along the way for him. Just, uh, that's a great, great sign for the Islanders. Yeah, no, he he has the confidence now, and it took him until maybe like late January last year to really figure it out. But that's when just his points production exploded, and he hasn't looked back since. So it's a huge, uh, it's a huge boon for this team. Yeah, no, really, really good. Absolutely. So moving on to the following night, the Islanders go into MSG to play arch rival New York Rangers. Another game where it starts off slow for them, and and after going into overtime against a tough team like Calgary, you say to yourself, okay, maybe this is an L that they're looking at here. But once again, this team battles back. They find a way after going down three to one. They have a tough break on that uh, that Trocheck goal where Varley makes the save. He has the puck in his glove, and Mayfield just instinctually goes to cover his D man. He ends up swiping the puck out of Varley's hand. That uh, that's Trocheck's goal. I think that's the one that puts them up three to one. But again, they find a way to win. Yeah, that one didn't surprise me as much uh, compared to the Calgary one uh, because, well, the Rangers have high-end talent. Yeah. Starting in goal, of course, but they're not the same team as they were last year. So I'm not as much of a believer in them, and I feel like the Islanders have this huge confidence when they go in when they play them, especially yeah. at MSG. So it never felt like they were out of it. I agree. And they just kind of kept on chipping away at it. So who would have thought, right, that we'd almost be ho-hum. They came back and beat the Rangers. Right. But, you know, again, another another good sign. And let me address this ahead of time. I don't think the Coyotes thing was any kind of Ranger hangover. I think that was just. No, I'm with was, you there. There's just a lot of missed nets. A hundred percent. That literally was the the exact the bane of their existence that night. They they were either shooting it above the net or to the side. I don't know what happened that night, but they just couldn't put the puck on that. It, it happens, and it's. I, did you go? I did. Okay, so I was going to say it happens, and for the for the all the other people besides the seventeen thousand who went, mm. it's kind of like you write it off. If you went, it sucks. <laughs> well, you know it's funny because I mean we might as well just dive into. I mean we going into that game. I saw that. Uh, Vamelica, I believe is how you pronounce his yeah. name, the goaltender going in, and I, and I turned to my buddy before the game and started, I said, they're getting shut out tonight. Ooh. Yeah, I was like, these guys wow. are getting shut out. Wow. And uh, I, I'm not happy that I was right. But it's just, it seems with the Islanders and, and maybe some of you guys out there that are, that are watching or listening, you might agree with me, but whenever they, they face that rookie goaltender or a guy who just hasn't gotten a lot of starts yet in the league, they always put on a clinic against the Islanders. They're getting their first win, their first shutout. So this was actually his second career shutout, so go figure. Uh, good call. They did help him, but he did look sharp as well he when, when he needed to. But that was just, uh, the chances were there. I thought the Coyotes played a really good road game. 
They did, they did all the things that you're supposed to do. Also, credit to the Coyotes, who already, I think, have more wins than some people. Not us, but some people would have predicted they might have had all season. Sure. So, um, you know, it, it they kind of, you know, trots them in a way. I think in the, if you look at the, early, the first year of trots, you know, some of those wins early on that we wouldn't have expected the Islanders to get on mm -hmm. the road in the post-Tavaris era. Sure. That, it was a little bit reminiscent. Of it that. was a sleepy game for yeah. a while, for sure. Yeah, and, and look. Well, it, uh, Kevin Kerr says, I don't know, if, I'm sure he didn't invent it, but he calls it a, he'll tweet, he'll say it's a low event uh, okay. Event game right now. That's that's exactly what it was. It was a bit of a sleeper there for a while, and yeah. took to the third period for Arizona to go up, and the odds just couldn't match them. I mean, they hit a couple of posts, like we said, they sailed a lot of shots over the net, and it just didn't it just didn't go their way that night. And that's you know, look, in an eighty two game season, it's going to happen. And the only thing that matters is once that game's over, is what happens in the next game. And somehow, especially at home, you have to get a, find a way to win, and they did. Yeah, and so going into last night, Columbus Blue Jackets come into town. Johnny Gaudreau, as we spoke about a little while ago, they get the 4-3 overtime win. Brock Nelson, two goals. I mean, it took him a little while to get started here. Brocktober didn't really happen, but Brovember is in full effect. The man is scoring goals up, down, left, and right. And one of those guys, his first goal, actually, a beautiful feed. Talk about defenseman. Scott Mayfield with a beautiful feed, basically cross-eyes from the point. Uh, beautiful tip by Brock Nelson. Mayfield ends up getting a goal later on in that game. I think that was the game that... Uh, the tied, yeah, it was the goal that tied the game. His fourth on the season. I think he had three all last year. We've talked about that before. So it's great to see Scott Mayfield getting up in the offense. And you, you mentioned this guy's name before, Zach Parise with a beautiful overtime winner. So you're there, right? Yes. Parise, as he's coming up the ice, I believe it was line A starts. I think it was line A. So there was a delayed penalty. Yes. Now the Clear thing, interference. And I this is in the category of I didn't play the game, and the game looks easier watch on home. But if you're the guy on Columbus and you already know that you have a delayed penalty because the arm came up clearly. Right. Why are you letting him go then? Great question. <laughs> Great question. Just let up and say, okay, go ahead, like sir. You, you yeah. might as well just tackle him. Like, we right. don't have rules that you get you right. know, more. Especially in overtime. You don't get eight minutes. You, right. don't, get, right. you don't get, like, you know, I, I guess they could attack that. But he could have just literally just yeah. wrapped him up. And instead, what a shame. And... Hey, Zach Parise, man, just really, I'm using the word impressive. There, there are certain players on the team that this year and the way they've, they've, not so much, they've rebounded from the start because Parise had a good second half last year. It's just uh, these are all good trends for the Islanders. I just didn't understand why you let him go after, after getting called to the delay. I'm back. not upset about it. No, no, of course <laughs> I'm not. not. Upset about it was a perfectly executed play. And I, I, you know, even though I haven't worked there in a hundred years, like to me, it's still about the home game and the home fans going home happy yeah, and walk into that Emerald lot or walk into the garage or whatever and feeling like we had a great night out on Long Island that Absolutely. this team can deliver. And we don't have that in other, a lot of other ways. And, um, you know, it, it was a flawed game. It wasn't a perfect game, but it ended with, points that you wanted it turned the page on the bad one against the coyotes and the, and the good team and the good guys go home happy all in all a good week for the new york islanders so folks I want to thank you all for tuning into twitch.tv slash hockey night ny here at florida media and rockville center and of course tuning in on your favorite podcast providers later on going to take a short break when we come back andrew gross and newsday will join us we'll be right back hey islander fans you already know blue line deli and bagels is the best place to get your game day meal and now you can get it at the game. 
Blue Line Deli and Bagels is proud to be featured in the brand new UBS Arena for all Islander games and live events as an official partner of the New York Islanders. Blue Line is also moving beyond Belmont, opening its doors at 217 Carlton Avenue in East Islip. So whether it's at the Islanders' new home, East Islip, or at the flagship deli at 719 West Jericho Turnpike in Huntington, all three locations are eager to greet you with their familiar friendly service and the best food around. So stop on in for delicious Bagel Boss bagels, hearty breakfast favorites, tasty hockey-themed heroes, freshly made smoothies, and so much more. And remember, you can always check out the menu and order online at bluelinedeli.com. Blue Line Deli and Bagels. Our goal is to make you a hero. Thanks for giving some time to our sponsors. Ready to talk more aisles? The train rolls on right here on Hockey Night in New York. That's right, folks. The train rolls on here at Hockey Night in New York. And now on the line, joining us from Newsday is the great Mr. Andrew Gross. Glad to have you on the show. Appreciate you coming back here. I want to talk to you about the Islanders' little run here this week. They, they went a couple in overtime, a couple of comfort-behind victories here. I want to start off by talking about Matt Barzell. He's got 16 assists through 16 games, no goals. He's obviously at a point-per-game clip right now. Is it a heavy concern that this guy hasn't scored any goals yet? The Islanders are scoring goals, right? Um, yeah, of course you want to see him score a goal, but I'd be a lot more concerned uh, if he wasn't skating the way he was and, and not producing the way he was right now. You know, if he goes if he goes three, four games without an assist and still no goals, then then I'm a lot more concerned. Right, right, of course. Well, the good news is there's a bunch of other guys that are scoring goals right now, and, and these are a couple of players here where last season it was probably a big reason why the Islanders had a, had a, a little bit of a struggle getting some wins there, in the, at least in the early going. And you look at guys like Zach Parisi, Kyle Palmieri, both have five goals, three assists for eight points. J.G. Paggio, only one goal on the board, but he's got seven assists. These guys are putting up points here in the early going when maybe they struggled last year. So what have you seen out of them so far this season under Lane Lambert that's got them going? Yeah, the, the, the Islanders in general have generated a, a better forecheck for the most part. And, and you know what? I'll take the first periods out because they seem to uh, get to their games usually in the second and third periods, which is a, a whole nother issue. But uh, look, Gigi Peugeot is having a, a, just a really a tremendous season. I know you said he, he had the one goal, right. but... I, against the Flames, and, and, and it really was the big reason the Islanders were able to uh, come back and win that game 4-3 after trailing 3-1 going into the third period. J.G. Pajot won 20 of 25 face-offs. And that, yeah, that's unbelievable. It, it doesn't happen in the NHL like that. And, uh, you know, I got to talk to J.G. and a bunch of his teammates, and they, they, everyone was talking about, even before the puck is dropped, JG is telling his his wings and his defensemen where the puck is going to go. Um, and, and usually, you know, you'll watch a, a faceoff, and it looks like two sticks being slapped down, and the puck ricocheting out. But more often than not, JG's uh, teammates are saying that, uh, that he he is really spot on with uh, telling them exactly where the puck's going to wind up, and, and that's a huge talent. Look, Zach Parise, it's funny. When you talk to him, he is very comfortable now in his own skin with who he is uh, as a player and where he is in his career. And that's not something I think he was as comfortable with last season and Mm -hmm. certainly 
in his last couple of seasons with the Wild. Uh, he knows he's a you know a 37 or 38 year old player, and uh, he's just trying to make the most of it while he's really still in this league. And the, the guy has never stopped work, working or moving his legs. And Absolutely, he, he's producing goals like he did when he was yeah, when he was a top line wing. For, for the for both the Devils and, and, and the Wild, and that's just getting to the crease and being opportunistic. And uh, uh, that 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 Peugeot, you know, the so called PPP line with uh, Palmieri, Peugeot, and Parisi, I thought that had some real chemistry and also some real good defensive acumen that allowed him to. Uh, I think uh, was it the last game is the first time a Peugeot line has given up a goal. Right. Uh, five on five, uh, so uh, they, they they they've been able to to be on the plus side of a ledger, and that's really all you're asking for, you know, from a quote unquote third line. And you know, now Parisi, it looks like he's going to at least to start this game up here in uh, Ottawa. He's going to get another chance to play with Barzell, and uh, you know uh, that that's where at least some of Barzell's assists have been headed. So. For what you're paying Zach Parisi and what the expectations are for a player of that age, I think he's given you, you know, probably more than you could expect at this point. No, absolutely. And you hit the nail on the head there. I mean, that is a quintessential third line. They're doing exactly what they're supposed to do. They're, they're playing hard out there. They're preventing goals against, and they're chipping in the odd goal here and there. So I think a, a lot of credit in the world goes to those guys right now. And you mentioned Parise maybe getting a shot on the first line. So let's talk about the guys that were playing with Matt Barzell, who, you know, Matt Barzell's still putting up these points despite some struggles here from Josh Bailey. He's only got five points on the season, three goals to assist. Oliver Wallstrom's cooled down. He hasn't put any put any points up until last night. He was uh, he was pointless in four games until he had an assist last night. So what are you seeing out of Bailey and Wallstrom where they're, they're having a tough time getting a go here? Yeah, I, I, I you know, Wallstrom is – Wallstrom's still looking for a shot a little bit more, and I, I think Josh – kind of goes into these ruts where he doesn't look for his shot as much. And that's, you know, even when he was, uh, you know, in the prime of his career, uh, you know, you, you would say that, the, you know, there were instances where, where Josh was not looking uh, for his shot as much as maybe you would like. Because he, he does have a decent shot. Um, Wally is, you know, it's, I know it, it, you probably don't want to hear it is the ups and downs of a young player, yeah. but I, I give, I like the fact that Lane Lambert is giving Oliver Wallstrom a lot more rope this season than, than Wally has gotten in the past. Uh, he's, he's, he's stuck it out with Barzell. There's been a, uh, there's been a lot of line blender going on, you know, in the last few games. But for the most part, Wallstrom has really not been ripped around. I know there was that one game, for whatever reason, Sashnikov started on the top line and Wallstrom started on the, on the fourth line, and that got reversed by the second period. That never made any sense to me. Uh, but for the most part, I, I think Lane has given Wally a little bit more rope. And uh, you saw the other game, uh, and honestly, where were we? 16 games into the season now. So they start to blend into each other a little bit. But there was that one game, Ollie, uh, Wally had a, a pretty bad offensive zone turnover 
and you could really see him hanging his head on the ice, which is something you never want to see. Right. And he did get back into the play, but when he got to the bench, he was, you know, slamming the door behind him. And then about, you know, three, four minutes later, when, when Wallstrom started to calm down a little bit, the TV cameras caught Lane Lambert talking in a, in a very soothing manner, you know, building him up, mm. adding him on the back. And, uh, I, I thought I thought that was good. I, I think that's good for Wallstrom because you know he is an emotional kid, and uh, he still really is a kid, and he's trying to figure out his way in the NHL. And the, the Islanders desperately need him to figure it out this season. Yeah. Um, he's not there yet. Um, he, he's had games where he's been there, but he's not there yet. But. I, I like his season this season a lot more than I did last season. Great insights, Andrew. Andrew, it's Chris Bata. How are you? Hey, Chris. What's going on, man? Good hey, to talk to you. Yeah, family's been good. <laughs> all's good. Just, you know, like all of us, getting older. So. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you got that right, my friend. Uh, two behind-the-scenes questions, because that's kind of my thing. Uh, one yeah. is uh, – now you're the one person who doesn't miss any road game. You're at every everything, so you're closest to this team than anybody in the media. Would you yeah. say that the swagger is started to come back, or has come back swagger meaning pre last season? So that you know, last year is the setback. Or is, or have they gotten it back? Or maybe they never even lost it. What's your take being around the team, Andrew? Well, they they clearly lost it last season. They were. They were lost last season. I mean, they were they were exhausted and gassed and, you know, frustrated last season. But, they no, they didn't have that swagger. If they got behind, they were losing the game. I just looked at the stats. Uh, you know, this season they are 5-6-0 when the opponent scores first, which in the NHL is absolutely remarkable that the – one, they've given up the, the first goal 11 times, but they've managed to win five of those games. That, that's huge. Those are huge points that are really going to matter come March and April. Last season, if I'm if I'm remembering my story correctly, they were 8-25-4 and four, uh, when when yielding the first goal, and, and that's much more, you know, that's, that's more of a stat in the NHL. So, I, I don't. I, I don't know if it's a swagger, but it's kind of a quiet confidence. They they're remembering that they're a good team. They're remembering they're a team that was good enough to get to the NHL semifinals in back to back years. And and when they get down in games, there 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 really isn't a panic. Um, and they are able to come back. Um, and that that is a huge difference from last season. There was. There was no swagger. There was no swag. There, there was just nothing good about last season uh, when it came to the players' psyche. Really interesting point about the first goals. They, they, they're going to catch up to that pretty soon, especially if they keep up this great trend of slow starts. They'll really, uh, they really uh, do well. But no, it's a great, great point, Andrew. And then my second one is I'm, I'm just now getting used to. I can only imagine how it is for you. The cadence of Lane Lambert's answers after four years of Barry Trotz, whose answers yeah. were long and very thorough. On the other hand, I'm starting to think that if I'm you and, and Kevin and Ethan and the rest of the gang, that Lane's kind of a dream because he speaks like he gives you a, a sharp, 
complete one sentence answer. And if I'm taking notes or I need to sub in a quote after, you know, a game story. So has it, has it been working with Lane? Let me preface this by saying I like Lane Lambert. I, I think he's a very good man, and, and I think he's a, he's he's proving to be a, a pretty decent NHL coach, and he has uh, the potential to become a really really good NHL coach. He's it, it is it's very different, um, just not having Barry around because especially you know Barry carried the media through the pandemic world because we weren't in the rooms and, and there was no one-on-one interaction and everything was over zoom and it was really impersonal. And, and, and please don't take this for complaining. I know there are much bigger issues that happened to a lot of people in the pandemic. I'm just saying, you know, doing our job, it became really impersonal because of zoom. Uh, And Barry really helped us out because he was so willing to talk and because we weren't getting the players voices much Barry kind of got what we were what we needed and there were a lot of times where he filled out our notebook and he gave us so much that that you know it, it was okay not having good player quotes we we could still do our job and write our stories in an interesting way because of Barry Lane is Lane is not really going to give you anything beyond those one, two, or, you know, if he really gets expansive, three sentences uh, strung together. Um, and, and he is absolutely loath to give out any kind of lineup information, any kind of injury information. or uh, And sometimes that really can be frustrating, although he explained it the other day that, you know, why give the other team an advantage? And the, the question, Ethan asked the question in the context of, hey, the Blue Jackets announced their starting goaltender yesterday. I saw, I saw uh, that. That was an yeah. interesting exchange. Yeah. You know, do, does that mean that you have an advantage? And, and of course, Lane has to say yes. Right. Because he's not, you know, of course he has to say that. But I, I thought he did explain himself reasonably well there. Um, but, you know, going back, for, there, there have been a lot of times where Lane says something and I go, I have to make that the lead quote in my story. Um, you know, one, he is the coach, but he has been honest. There have been times where he said, I, our team hasn't played fast enough or, or we didn't do this well enough. Or, you know, Lane, Lane will, in a way, almost criticize the team, I think, a little bit if not as much as Barry, there there have been more instances where where Lane has taken him to task a little bit in the media, even if it's not a huge call out. Uh, it's been somewhat subtle, but you got to listen, you know, carefully to what Lane says because a lot of times there are some pretty good quotes that he gives you. It's just, uh, you know, it, it's the day to day, not you know. Hey, Chris, you you you've been at morning skates. You know if the goalie, you know, if Ilya Sorokin comes off twenty minutes before Semyon Varlamov, you know Ilya Sorokin is starting that night. You know if Nikita Sashnikov and Ross Johnson and Rob Sallow are out skating thirty minutes after the morning skate ended. You know they're the extras that night, and Lane just will not confirm anything. <laughs> Shuts down. 
any lineup talk. Um, and, and look, you know, I, I think 75% of that is just Lane's personality. And when we were in Detroit uh, last week, I was talking to some of the, uh, you know, the old crusty veteran reporters uh, in Detroit who actually covered Lane as a player in the early to mid-80s. And they said, what you're getting as a coach is exactly how he was as a player. He didn't really engage with the media much as a, as a player. He wasn't interested in it. And, he, you know, he wasn't expansive. So I, I think 75% of this really is Lane. But there's also the Lou Lamarillo effect of, you know, Lou was, for, for as much respect as Lou has for, for Barry Trotz and, and and the good working relationship they had, Lou was really banging his head a lot of the time <laughs> because Barry was so expansive. And I think, uh, Sean, when I was sitting in your studio, <laughs> yes. I, I, I demonstrated that, you, right? You certainly did. I will never forget it. It was a fantastic portrayal of Lou's, uh, Lou's attitude yeah. towards that, yeah. Yeah, but the, the Lou is, uh, Lou clearly, if, you know, I think it, it, whether it's said or unsaid, there was an agreement that the next coach the Islanders had was going to be the anti-Barry Barry Trotz in mm. terms of, you know, just giving 15-minute press conferences and talking and talking and talking. Right. That's not what Lou Lamarillo wants out of his coach. <laughs> We're talking to Andrew Gross and Newsday here on the line. I got one more for you, Andrew. I think Chris does as well. The last one for me, there's just one more guy I wanted to bring up before we wrapped up with you, and that's Anthony Bavillier. He's been riding shotgun with Brock Nelson and Anders Lee. They're both essentially putting up a, a point-per-game clip here. They both look great. They're scoring goals. They look excellent so far. Bo, on the other hand, only has three goals, four assists with seven points. Despite that, is is he still pulling his weight on that line? Because obviously the other two guys are having success, or is, is he somebody that maybe the Islanders want to see still see more out of? Oh, absolutely, the Islanders want to see more and they've been they've been waiting to see more in terms of offensive production and consistency i i mean bows in what is sixth or seventh season right yeah uh, yeah he, he, he came up when he was 18 and yeah I, I gotta be honest even though he's still really young uh you know in in terms of relative human life um this is what he is as an nhl player uh, you know, I, I don't think, you know, Barry Trotz talked last year because Bo had that really good uh, playoffs, you know, obviously, right. you know, the, the, the overtime winner in the last game at the Coliseum. But he was he was really, really good all playoffs. Mm -hmm. and, and that went into last season saying he expected a breakout season from Anthony Beauvillier. And it, it you know, it just never came. And. I, I, I don't know at this point whether or not we can really expect that. Um, look, he's he's a very solid NHL player. I don't know if he's a second line player, but he works really, really well with uh, with Brock Nelson and Andrews Lee, and that's why you keep him there. Um, and he still gives you that speed. And uh, you know, again, I know fans this drives fans crazy, but. He's a really solid 200-foot player who, who does everything right defensively, and he's responsible, and he's good along the walls, and he'll he'll retrieve pucks, and he skates with speed. But I, I just don't see wherever – I don't think we're ever going to see that 
that jump in his offensive production that many of us thought mm. we were going to see. All right. Well, along those lines, no, actually, I'm kidding. Nothing to do with that. Andrew, it's just to the people listening who don't know, Andrew is is an outstanding rock and roll drummer. has been for for a long, has been has been for uh, most of his life. So, my question to you, my friend, is not the three best because we're not going to go down the Keith Moon, Bonham, whatever uh, rabbit hole. Who are Andrew Gross's three favorite drummers of all time? You know, it it, it really goes. That that list is ever changing. I, I can tell you right now, I'm listening to a lot of uh, Virgil Donati, who, who is just—he's uh, a guy that, like, uh, if you know Mike Portnoy, the old yep. Dream Team drummer, and you know uh, now with the Winery Dogs, and actually out on tour with John Petrucci, uh, you know Mike Port. We're now in the Eddie Port- Trunk portion of Hockey Night yeah, in New York. <laughs> Branching out a bit here. <laughs> bring it up Portnoy, bring it up. Man, go ahead. I thought Neil Peart was oh. going to be your guy. <laughs> go ahead. But, but Portnoy is just technically one of the best drummers out there. And he was, I saw an interview with him the other day where he's talking about this guy, Virgil Donati, and is saying, you know, there's just stuff he does that I can't do. Um, so I, I've been watching a lot of this guy lately, and he's, He's literally insane. He's he's incredible. But, you know, from a more mainstream, uh, a guy like uh, Ian Pace, the Deep Purple, I I can never get enough of him. And and I'll be honest, Chad Smith from the Red Hot Chili Peppers is, I I think, one of the most underrated drummers out there. He's he's so solid. He He could be filling up the songs with these complicated fills, and he just, he works within the music so perfectly. So, I mean, look, any any drummer who gets to that level has my utmost respect. So it's hard to say, you know, I my three favorites. Yeah, obviously, Neil Peart. You know, you, you listen to him. And to me, you know, you, you see a lot of guys, you know, you all these YouTube clips of people playing along. And, and, and pretty much getting what Neil Peart did, you know, kind of drum for drum, note for note. They can play the part, right? Yeah, but he created but, it. Well, that's exactly right. No one could create that. He was a genius in, 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 in how he composed. And that's, that's what separated him. Great choices. Well, Andrew, always a pleasure having, having you on the show. Thanks so much for calling in. And uh, we'll have you on again soon. Anytime, guys. And uh, listen, Chris, Sean, great to hear from you, and uh, I hope you have a good show there. Thanks a lot, bud. Have a great rest of your night. Thanks, Andrew. All right, right, ladies and gentlemen, the great Andrew Gross of Newsday giving us a great spot, a little little drummer talk there, Chris. I like it. I like to mix it up. Yeah. From time to time, I would do it on my old show, too. I asked Howie's three favorite Beatles songs, things like that. You got got an hour plus. We could take three minutes and do something not just on the Islanders Did you see? Did you see the music video that Andrew was in? I did not see that one. I know I heard about it. You have to check that out. Oh, yeah. I will check that out. And the other thing that I'll say, and I I know you've experienced this uh, firsthand, we don't always know the writers, the people who we read. We've been reading now, Andrew, for a long time. He's been at News and he covered the Devils before that. But for the folks who don't know him, yeah, for the folks who don't know him, who, um, you know, haven't been around him or seen him after a game or whatever, like, legitimately one of the kindest, nicest, 
people going like uh, fair to his competitors, helpful, fair to PR people. Like, I don't think we, me and Andrew ever had an argument and that's and impossible. Like I mean, <laughs> everybody else, I had at least five to ten. Wow. Uh, say a class act, and I know he came in here a few yes, weeks ago, yes. which is nice of him because yeah. he, right? I mean, he, he doesn't live near here. No, so he, he went to the morning skate and then yeah, came out. Yeah, so it worked still, out. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. I don't know if I would do that. So he's a, <laughs> well, you're Chris Bott, I mean, yeah, we know he's that a, he's a he's a heck of a guy. Yes, no question about it. So great to have him on. Excellent stuff from him. What do you say we go into what's on tap? do it all right folks it's time for what's on tap looking at the upcoming schedule for the new york islanders they were busy last week with four games they got a four game road trip coming up only three coming up this week i'm gonna rattle those off for you now tomorrow they go into ottawa to play the senators the uh somewhat improved centers although they they, they started off a little well and, and they kind of slowed down a little bit so they're still trying to figure it out with that young team thursday they go into nashville saturday they go into dallas so a little bit of a west coast swing there against some tough teams chris what do you got Instant reactions is Ottawa is a game that they should win. Agreed. I'm going to say that they are. If you want to make this a prediction in a betting segment, I'll, I'll answer <laughs> sure. that way Draft too. Draft you listening. But, uh, but right now I would say that's a game that they should win because Ottawa now also is starting to get those injuries. Not a big believer in them. I, I love that they signed Giroux and they got mm-hmm. some good things going and got the brink had, but they're not ready for prime time yet in my opinion right they could beat anybody on any given night mm-hmm. start Sorokin please uh, <laughs> yes you've been, so, you've been banging that you John, know this big is time. one where it's just like you know we just uh, let's you know and I imagine he is but you never know and uh so that's one Nashville you know somewhat of a picking game they had a good win against Rangers the other night the the one to watch is Dallas because I would say, you know, we talked about I'd like to see them get a little more of a diet of those better teams. Sure. If if there's a team that on paper and really actually how they've played lately that would have the potential to have a jersey type game over the Islanders, meaning the Islanders you don't even know they played that night, you know, like they, they right. have the puck, that kind of thing. Right. Um that would be one. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean that's going to happen. I'm just saying that's another, like if you're Elaine Lambert and, and maybe you get through these next two games or you get three points out of these next two games, that Dallas one you said is a little bit of a benchmark because they have the speed, they have uh, the versatility, they have they have a little bit of everything. Goaltending, yeah, yeah okay. Mm-hmm. But um, that's that's one that I would say if they go in there and win it, that then we'll we'll come back here on Sunday if I'm here and you're here and we're all here. <laughs> um, then I'll come back here on Sunday and say, okay, now I'm starting to believe. I'm not not a believer yet. I'm just still in the show me. Well, state. we'll essentially be at that Thanksgiving benchmark mm-hmm. by then, and essentially 20 games in, uh, give it. I think after they play Toronto, that'll be 20 the 20 game mark. So. And so at Nashville, at Dallas, that's a that's that's a good one. Uh, and then I know I believe they have Edmonton before Thanksgiving at home. Yes, so, correct. You know that's that's fun times. That's the Wednesday night. Yeah, I believe, that, yeah. that's a fun one. I yeah. imagine the barn will be packed for that one. Oh yeah. So uh, we keep an eye on that Dallas game. That'll be really good test for them. Yeah, no doubt. So they hit the road. We'll see how they do. But so far, so good for the New York Islanders. So that'll do it. No, how about not? How about you tell us what? What they're going to do in these three games. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. I'm going to say, I'm a co-host. I'm not a guest. This is true. You get to to opine, too. You you get to to put yourself in a position where I remind you of something really you got wrong. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Which which you're happy to do, of course. (laughs) So let's go. What are they going to do? Two and one. Two and one. Okay. They're going to take down Ottawa. 
Okay. And they're going to split the games in Nashville and Dallas. Okay. You got tape rolling on that? Do they do so tape? What do you, what do you got for it's me? It's 2022. Do we still do tape? <laughs> um, I'm going to say, you know, I'm going to say one and two. Really? Yeah, I'm going to say win, beat Ottawa, lose the next two. But I think they'll, but that doesn't, that sounds negative and harsh. I'm just, I just, you know, it could be time for a little humbling, a little like, okay, not there yet. Sure, sure. And they haven't really had that since earlier in the season. What was it, a three-game three game losing streak or whatever it was? Yeah. Whatever the case may be. But, I mean, they've been playing at a much better clip. They go on the road here. We'll see how they do. And then they wrap that trip up in Toronto on the Monday. So that's another one to kind of keep in the back of your mind. And we're at a big disadvantage here, too, because we don't do the show every day. So, like, by the time they play Dallas, Dallas could have injuries. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, like, a lot can change. Sure. So, uh, this is not any kind of a, what is, you know, this is not a recommendation to put down any bets for any game other than the Ottawa game. And since you've been beating that Sorokin drum here, there's no back to backs in this week. Do you want to see Ilya all three games? I would, you know, Monday, Thursday, we have Saturday. The right to take these a game at a time. Sure. But right now, yeah. Monday, okay. Monday, Wednesday, Saturday. Monday, Thursday, Saturday. Monday, Thursday, yeah. Saturday. Yeah, because then you get into the thing where, like, if he doesn't start Thursday, well, then now he hasn't played for a while. Like, number one guy, you know, just played back right. last week. Number one guy, played the guy. All right. All right. Well, how do you like heroes, Chris? Love heroes, especially Italians. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Italian heroes, I should specify. A <laughs> um, couple, couple of other uh, uh, heroes. Sure, American heroes, good, right? Good meatball. Yeah. Need a certain way. Uh they, they do they do it right at Blue Line. All right, well, that's our smooth seg into the Hero of the Week. So, Eddie, why don't you cue up the music, buddy? When you hear this song, that means it's time for the Hero of the Week, brought to you by the Blue Line Deli and Bagels, half-price hero, which this week is the Mr. Ledecky featuring turkey, ham, provolone, lettuce, tomato, mustard on fresh rye bread. Stop into the Blue Line Deli and Bagels Huntington location to get half off the Mr. Ledecky. So, Christopher... Do you mind if I call you Christopher? Yeah, he's Mr. <laughs> Ledecky. That's how long it was going. Yeah. <laughs> Who is your hero of the week? It's Brock Nelson. Uh, not, not a shocker by any stretch. Certain guys in this era of this franchise that just for the most part could do no wrong for me. It's a couple of them. And he's right at the top of the list. What an absolutely fabulous player. Say it all the time. Incredible draft pick by Kevin Connolly, and um, <laughs> you know, just uh, and he—that's hilarious. What, what a complete player! And by the way, it, um, Columbus coach Larson—I barely remember his name—but Larson, after the game, he you know he was asked about, it and he just singled that line out. He just—they yeah. they gave us fits. Well, that's what Brock Nelson's lines tend to do. There's also this, you know. Who's who's going well? It happens to often happens to be the guys on Brock Nelson's line. Yeah, no, Huge he's fan. he's really established himself as a core player on this team, and the goal scoring that he brings, aside from being a, a two way center, has been excellent for this team. So it's great to see that he's broken out here in November, and hopefully that continues. And maybe he teases with another forty goal season here. Do you pick a hero as well? I do. I just also wanted to add some thoughts. Now on, that this on Brock is like Nelson. my eighth show, do you think I would remember that you, we both pick you? <laughs> we, we do. We do. So <laughs> with that in mind, ladies and gentlemen, my hero of the week, we talked about him a little bit earlier, is 
Matt Barzell. Five assists on the week, three big ones. He had a phenomenal game against the Calgary Flames. He was huge in that game. He had three assists there, another two for the week. So for me, even though he hasn't put the puck in the net, and he will, and he was guilty of at least, I think, two or three sailing a couple of those pucks over the net against Arizona. I almost called him Phoenix. But uh, Matt Barzell, hero of the week for me. What do you think? I'm I'm trying to think of something punny like there wouldn't be Gruda on it because he has no goals. I like I can't I can't come up with anything. I agree with but Andrew was really really great perceptive. Yes, what he said about Rosal, what he said about Wallstrom, what he said what he said about Beauvillier. The man is, knows what he's talking which about. Which is yeah, I mean I I get it that he shouldn't. I shouldn't act surprised, but it was really articulate and I appreciate that. So uh, I have. I know it's just like the easy thing to say that you don't have any concerns about this guy as any zero goals, but I don't like what more do you we want him to do? He's still often there's Nelson and there's him, totally different players. But you, you want to criticize Brazil? You know, maybe let's see what happens if he winds up having to miss a bunch of games because he's injured. Right? Then you're gonna then you're gonna well, it's gonna look a lot different out there. And th- this has been addressed on the show previously. And look. He's he's on pace for an 82-point season, no matter which way he gets them. And if he's putting up assists, that means somebody else is scoring the goals. Now, if he puts up a, an 82-point season, a point-per-game season, it'll be his best one since his rookie year. And do you really care whether there's goals involved or not? I mean, the guy's going to score. It is funny that he's gone 16 games without a goal. And, and I have to give you credit because I believe when we did some sort of exercise in the beginning of the season, mm-hmm. you did Barzell's points, I said the goal total was low, and I was right. critical of that, and you made your case why. And now I would say he could actually get hot in the goal-scoring department and might not reach even the low bar right. you set for him. So right. he's just a fabulous player. I just, I mean, I could be as critical as anyone that mm-hmm. kind of does this thing, um, I think. But I, 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 he just, for the most part, can do no wrong for me because he just he brings it every night, and we continue to see players, including players who've come through this team and this good era of the last four or five years who don't. So, um, hey, great player. Nice choice. Thank you. And and watching Matt Barzell, you know, obviously covering cover the team as long as you did, did, did he, does he remind you of any other player, maybe even on the Islanders or even in the league, that, that plays his style of play, the way that he's able to just completely control not only the puck but the ice, commands the ice when he's in the offensive zone. And me personally, I don't know if I've seen another player that's able to do that the way he does. The one player in Islanders history who he's, their styles are – not too similar, mm. but it's very, very reminiscent of, and that's absolutely Pat LaFontaine. Really? Pat LaFontaine was a solo artist, and but that doesn't mean he was selfish. That doesn't mean he didn't pass. Right, right. But there was, he was incredible. You know, I was actually looking at his stats about a week or two ago. You know, he mm. went up playing parts or most of eight seasons. He, he started at the end of one season mm-hmm. after the Olympics. Right. And then, you know, it ended uh, briefly for him. But his point totals are unbelievable. But he, he, it was almost comical. This is not a one-on-one sport. This is not the NBA. Of course. This is not even a receiver in the NFL who just out jumps everybody or is a spectacular or whatever. Um, but Pat was kind of that rare solo artist. And I do see that in, in Barzell, uh, and, um, he's, uh, just both spectacular and fun to watch, but I get it when the things don't go always as well. It doesn't have a goal or maybe when the team loses a couple, they're the people who you're focused on. But right. if you look at Pat LaFontaine, you know, 
Randy Wood was his line mate. Derek King mm. was his line mate. There were different line mates uh, toward the end of his career. None of them, it's a similar to Barzell. It's like, who's going to be his winger? Who's going to yeah, play yeah. with him? He didn't get to play with Ziggy Poth. He came too many years later. So that to me, that is the comparison. They're elite, really unparalleled individual skills, solo artists, I call them. Love it. Great stuff. Well, that's going to do it for Hero of the Week. And uh, you know what? We're going to take a little break here. So I want to thank you all for tuning in to twitch.tv slash hockey night NY and, of course, your favorite podcast providers. When we come back, we're going to do questions brewing. So if you haven't gotten your questions in, get them in now during the break. We'll be right back. Miss the days of mixtapes and arcades? Love the taste of a bold IPA or maybe an ice-cold lager? There's a place where all of those magical things come together. Lost Farmer Brewing Company. At 63A East 2nd Street in the heart of Mineola, Lost Farmer combines a love of the 80s and a passion for quality beer to create brews that can only be described as gnarly, radical, and totally tubular. The retro vibe of the tasting bar will amp up your nostalgia while the blend of both local and exotic ingredients amp up your taste buds. Beer not your thing? Crack open a can of cider or a sip of Chardonnay on the extended patio. Order up from the snack menu? You can even bring your own. If you're more of a homebody, pick up a growler to go or order online at lostfarmerbrewing.com. And for all of Long Island's hockey fans, Lost Farmer created the delicious Stable Shaker American Lager to celebrate the newly built UBS Arena at Belmont Park. Whether you're at the stable for a hockey game, concert, or a comedy show, you can find Stable Shaker by can and draft around the arena. So raise a cup to the next cup with Lost Farmer Brewery, the future of Long Island craft beer. It's time for Questions Brewing, brought to you by Lost Farmer Brewing Company. That's right, folks. It is time for Questions Brewing, brought to you by the great Lost Farmer Brewing Company. Ed, how are we doing back there, pal? We're doing great. Uh, we're pretty active here did, tonight. Did you have a nice weekend? I had a, gr- a wonderful weekend. Yeah, how's, how's really Jay did. doing over there? Jay? Yeah. How's he doing? Doing great. He's <laughs> patronizing me back here a little bit. But, uh, <laughs> Excellent. You know. Excellent. So, so what do you got for us, bud? All right, well, uh, we got Mike with the first questions brewing. Given Mayfield's play as of late, does it in any way change the plans of the Isles looking to resign him, or does it come down to the team? Uh, we get the joke. How the team is performing <laughs> your, near the deadline. <laughs> you you want to feel that one first? You want me to yeah, I, I mean, I don't think it's going to be traded at the deadline. I don't, I don't think mm. this is something where they worry – if they if it comes to that they lose it's hard to it, if they're a good team <laughs> yeah. if they're a good team and they're competing for a playoffs I I just don't think that's something that enters into the equation let's try to get something yeah. for him because we might lose him I thought about this at the earlier the show when it, when his name came up mm. I saw him get his goal again the other night nifty uh, the nifty backhander mm-hmm. you know what Scott Mayfield is right now he's the guy where. There are 20 teams in the NHL, at least 20 teams in the NHL, and they have a pro scout who's at UBS, Mm -hmm. who's everywhere else, and he follows all the other teams too. And only that guy at Ottawa or with the Bruins or with whoever, Mm -hmm. he's like, only he thinks that he knows Scott Mayfield is, is <laughs> right, good, right? Right. And right. That they should sign He's the him. diamond in the rough. Yeah. So it's yeah. gonna. So if Scott goes to unrestricted free agency, mm-hmm. there's going to be greater players, better players. Mm-hmm. Who? Well, we saw this with Goudreau. Like you know, we believe he got like three offers, right? You know, from the legitimate ones. Mm-hmm. Scott Mayfield's going to get twenty something. 
Now, it doesn't mean he's going to get more than what the Islanders might offer him or whatever, mm-hmm. but uh, that's in, in a low-key way. This is a really good player, and in a low-key way, that's going to be an interesting watch to see how that plays out. The other thing, and I know this can always be corny and, and uh, overrated, but mm-hmm. he's a guy who you see it, he, he exudes it, he genuinely loves it here. So yeah, you, you know he that. does want to make it mm-hmm. work here. For He's sure. not looking to go somewhere else. And, and I want to add a, a follow-up question to that just with regards to not only Scott Mayfield, but just players in free, free agency in general when they have their contract year coming up. When you see a guy like him, who and, and again, we're in the early going here, but so far it's looking like he's going to have himself a good year for Scott Mayfield as a third-pairing right defenseman, right? Let's say he keeps that up. Now, is that just more coincidental that that sort of thing happens in a contract year? Or do you think that there's some sort of, you know, I suppose – mental thought here where oh, I got to step it up here to get my value going. So when I hit free agency, I can cash in. I think these goals coming in for, for him lately, mm-hmm. you know, I saw when he scores, he's kind of got this smile on his face. He does yeah, have yeah. this smile on his face. It's like, I can't believe this is happening. <laughs> so um, listen, he's bet on himself, right? Mm-hmm. The, the biggest example of betting on yourself right now in New York sports is Aaron Judge who told the Yankees no I don't want 500 billion dollars I'm going to go free agent after this year and then he proceeds to hit 62 home runs Scott Mayfield is in a good position here he's not trying any harder I, right, I think right. I think defensively and I watched him you know after he scored the goal he, he's just he's just a good player and um so I, I think just these goal totals they help a little bit mm-hmm. but uh I don't think it changes anything, and I don't think he's stepped it up. I think he's been the same pretty darn good player that he's been since he got here. There you go. Ed, what do you got for us? Next one from Trotty A19. Let's go. Why do the Isles suck in first periods? <laughs> Is it because they are an older team that takes longer to get going? It's an interesting question, and I think when you get to only through 16 games, sometimes it's going to take a team a little while to figure it out. And, and sometimes it's just coincidence. I mean, look, they, they scored the, what was it, the first goal against the Rangers in the power play, right, Kyle Palmieri. So they were a little better out of the gate in that game. But, yes, the trend so far this season has been slow out of the gate and they're playing catch-up. And, and I know a lot of people are concerned out there that is that sustainable over an 82-game season. Why? I, I, I don't know a good I have a good answer for that. Maybe Chris does, but I don't think this is a team that isn't well prepared. I don't think this is a team that, you know, struggles to to get up for games. I think that they're they're well ready to try <laughs> and put their best foot forward, but for whatever reason the, the goals haven't been dropping for them. Or not even that, even the shots. You know, you look at the Calgary game and Calgary kind of ran circles around them in the first period before they got going. So there's something to it. I don't know what the reason is, and I'm sure that's something that's going on in the back of their minds. They're probably talking about it in the locker room too. But um, I think that's something they'll ultimately figure out. It's an early season trend. It's a little bit alarming. I also, you can't not recognize that a team sometimes takes the personality of its coach. And as Andrew articulated really well, Lane is a close to the vest and calm guy. So he's probably not somebody who's going to tear the paint off the walls before a game. Mm -hmm. On the bright side, if you go by just all that matters is the end result, that's good. But I trust it's something that's gonna they're gonna work on, and what'll happen if this continues, and and some of this becomes almost superstition, or some of it just becomes, you know, Lou, the GM. That if it be, if it continues to become a problem, they'll change their routines. They won't have a morning skate if they didn't mm. have one when they did win and have a good start. Yeah. There'll there'll be all those kind of things to say, hey, we go now. This has gone on long enough. What do we need to do to fix it? 
like power plays, like a lot of things. Um, it's the kind of thing that comes up understandably with a fan base, with a podcast, a weekly podcast until it gets corrected. But it, it, it there, you know, again, don't lose sight of the fact that we talk about it, but also, you know, the team is, and it's not a good look for them. And it is something they are talking about and are, are, there's no doubt they're trying to address it. Yeah. And I think the, the best thing you can take from it is they're still winning games despite that. So hopefully they continue to do that as they continue to figure it out. Yeah. I, I, how many times have we seen teams and sometimes it is with these coaches and we'll see it on a documentary or whatever, where they come rolling through the doors and they, and they hit everybody in the first period and then they, they, they left it all there. Yeah, you know, yeah. So you don't want that as well. Mm-hmm. Let's see what happens. We'll see what happens. Ed, what do you got? How many more we got? Oh, we can do a couple more. Okay, good. Um, I'm gonna lump T Boyles. He has two questions that are pretty down to the to the point here. Okay. Uh what is Bavillier's trade value at this at this time? And do you uh do you see Nelson getting fifty goals this season? Fifty. Wow. <laughs> That's Lofty. an easy one. Okay. Uh, (laughs) end of show Uh, for the first question Anthony Bavillier's trade value I don't can't can't imagine it's too high right now I mean look he's a young player still is he a guy that can still figure it out of course we've talked about other players on this on this program how how they've had a long trajectory to figure things out you look at a guy like Josh Bailey look uh, I don't even know if he's a guy they're looking to deal but maybe they will if, if they get to the trade deadline they're looking to compete and add a score but Look, if you're going to, if you're, if, you know, you go to like last year's trade, no, two years ago, you're looking at the trade deadline, right? And everybody's talking about Vladimir Tarasenko. And if you're throwing Anthony Bavillier into a deal like that, a high profile scorer, you're going to have to add a lot more than Anthony Bavillier. Yes, he's young. Yes, he has some promise, but there's no way he's going to do enough. So, you know, am I going to sit here and tell you he's worth a second round pick, a third round pick? I, I'm not sure. I'm not a professional, you know, general manager or anything like that. But I'd have to say, that especially with his output that we talked about with, with Andrew just before, I can't imagine you know teams are too high on him right now. So he's a guy who needs to still figure it out. The thing to consider also is that it's never that simple. Money is everything. Cap hit is everything. So if it's a position where the Islanders want to move somebody because – they're going to add Patrick Kane at the deadline, so they need to move move Bovilla. So mm-hmm. whatever we, you know, I think it's fair to say that if there weren't any other factors, mm-hmm. Anthony Bovilla would be worth like a second or third round pick. Okay, wouldn't there be worth the first. Wouldn't you know fourth would, would be a hell of a bargain for some team. But he makes a good, pretty good salary for yes. somebody who's not a, a first or second line player, mm-hmm. a traditional first or second line player. Uh, so there's all these other factors. Whatever he winds up going for, it's going to be because of need, because of a cap pit, mm-hmm. because the Islanders might want to move him, because mm-hmm. another team has agreed to take him on. So it, it's, you know, could he be part of a package here? The one thing that won't work, and you could, you know, I say this with love and respect, is that it, he's the guy who's always thrown in these hypothetical four for one. Yes, yeah. all the time, yeah. all the time. So for Kane, we can give him four. <laughs> right. Kane, if Kane's a nine out of ten, mm. we'll give him four fives, mm-hmm. right, out of mm-hmm. ten. Mm-hmm. No, that's just not how it it's works. Not typically. <laughs> <laughs> that's fun to think about. You yeah. can probably do it on uh, NHL 23 if you want, but yes. I don't know if it's going to happen here. Yeah. I actually have a couple, of, two things to bring up from my notes. I don't know yeah. if you have anything that's, like, pressing. 
Nothing pressing. All so right. I have one uh, Twitter question, if, and if Ed, if you have one or two more, we can do that too. But Chris, sure. if you got something, now you can go. Well, just a couple of things. I just want to go back. One thing that we talked about. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not going to go down this thing about Mitchell Miller and 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 the horrible stuff right. that he did. Right, but right, right. Where it's relevant was remember a couple weeks ago we talked about the draft mm-hmm. and how hard it is to draft. Yeah, and I said there is. Um, if you think about it, you know, maybe other than like Lou had Conte in New Jersey, there's a, there's a couple of guys out there who are known for being great. But if, but if drafting was such a science, mm-hmm. it was so, you know, you'd be paying the head drafters, the director of uh, amateur scouts, millions upon millions of dollars, right? Of because course. you get, well, the thing about the Mitchell Miller thing in Boston Bruins and, mm-hmm. and, and is, is that the Bruins who are great right now, and right. won a cup uh, recently, they, they they suck so bad at drafting, you know, somewhat famously three guys yeah. instead of Barzell, mm-hmm. and they have no prospects. But the reason why the Mitchell Miller thing mm-hmm. happened is because they were like, well, we could bring on this guy for nothing Shit. for just the cost of a contract. Right. We'll get through the PR problem. So they did not. <laughs> and and but that just shows you how desperate teams are yeah. to win, mm. to have players that they believe are and going to be in the NHL. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, there's a million things to think about about what happened last week with the Bruins and, and Mitchell Miller it happened last weekend. But like keep in mind that they have no good draft picks, anything really good. They they have no good defensive ones. And they went through all of that. Because they looked at their depth chart and yeah. saw that there was nobody there. And that's really sad. But on, yes. a, ho- on a hockey perspective, yeah. that's the explanation. Is like mm. all the draft picks they had, they, they, were, they weren't able to get anybody as good as this kid. Right. And then they thought, somebody thought, and then Neely bought into it, and Don Sweeney bought into yeah, it, and probably an awful, the owner. awful look. Yeah, so uh, awful. that's how that happened. Interesting. No, that's that's a great that's a great note to bring up, and just a what a what a disaster that whole thing was. But it, at least they, I guess, at the end of the day, they made the the best right decision they could after all the all the bad stuff went came, went and came out. But and I have a last questions brewing for you. When's the last time you've been to the Nassau Coliseum? The last time I've been to the Nassau Coliseum was probably the last game that the uh, the Islanders played there. Gotcha. Uh, the reason why I'm asking is so I went to a concert there on Friday. Go I ahead. So Elton John. Oh, okay. Wow. Yes. Phenomenal. I thought you don't. Uh, Christian always has a thing about you in pop culture and like you don't have any interest. You do. No, <laughs> you do no, like... no. I mean, Christian likes to get his digs in where he can, but it's it's it's. I know nothing about any other sport. Oh, okay. I'm just oh, a okay. pure hockey guy. But yeah, I, I saw Elton John and he was fantastic. Gotcha. And that was yeah. only about less than a year ago, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I went to there's this guy named Billy Strings. Believe it or not, he's a he's a bluegrass guitar player. But okay. He also like will play Sabbath and he'll play. He's this he's this phenomenal prodigy. Mm-hmm now but um went with my wife and it was anyways first time i've been to coliseum mm-hmm. in a long time okay um so one looks nice mm-hmm. it feels like a new it feels like a new minor league building and that it's small but it's sure like, it's, the part of it being rarely used is that it's clean as heck yeah yeah, yeah. so it was a nice experience had mm-hmm. a great time to get concert but what a fucking joke like <laughs> what a fucking joke the town of Hempstead is when you think about everything that's going on here, so that that concert on Friday, nice crowd by the way, great mm-hmm. you know people, great event. Yeah, um, they they don't have anything else going on. They have the Riptide Lacrosse, good guys, good for them. 
They have the, the Nets minor league team. Good for right. them. Right. But these are games, I, I'll set aside the Riptide. I think they do a little better, but the Nets are playing in front of 1,000, 2,000 people, maybe. I don't that. And they have, they don't have Elton John come up. After March 15th, around the time these Riptide, Lacrosse, mm-hmm. and Nets basketball games over, there isn't a single thing currently, as of November 13th, these guys got six on here. <laughs> scares me a little bit. It says November 6th in the studio, but um, <laughs> the, uh, they're just noticing it. That's a fair point. So, um, <laughs> like, eh, hey, if that's the case, you know, we'll get to be, our predictions will be better than ever. Um, they, they got nothing going on there. So I know, you know, they have buildings in the parking lot. They have, you know, some catering, doing great work and all that. Mm. But I'm not saying that they should have given Charles his lighthouse and his, you know, everything that he, that he wanted, mm-hmm. his tower. But, like, what a, a joke. Happily ever after, UBS is beautiful. A lot of pain, a lot of years. Right. But when you think about what the town did and Kate Murray and, and all the fighting against it, and now they have this building there. And I, and I hate saying this because the Riptide seem like good guys at that Saints thing. Sure, yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But there's just, throw that to the side. There's nothing going on in that place. They just, they ruined it in the heart of Nassau County. There's this building yeah. where nothing's happening. No, listen, the, the, the best part as far as our purposes and people who tune into this show is is the Islanders no longer have anything to do with that and mm-hmm. they don't have to worry about it anymore. And you have to imagine that that, that place is a slow bleed until it's just the doors closed. I, I mean, how I is that place going to be sustained? Survive. Right. Yeah. No, no, it's, I mean, you have Barclays, the garden now UBS. I mean, who's, you know, who's going there? What's going to happen over there? Yeah. And he, uh, it just, it was incredible. I saw one security guard, uh, was there mm-hmm. i remember from back in the day yeah he was actually right by at the point i goes you know that that's the, that was the press box elevator now it was pretty uh, kind of moving to see it and um so it just it, it looks nice whatever but boy they they just blew it and i would not be surprised i'm not looking to make these teams uh, homeless mm-hmm. but i don't right. know how you could possibly have that big piece of property and that 10 12,000 seat arena whatever it is and have a this one concert where we had like nine ten thousand people there and there is nothing going on there's a couple exhibition hall things there's a occasional beer fest or whatever yeah they, they, <laughs> Every they can't book anything there and they could add 41 nights of the new york islanders and the banners up and everything the only banners left is a dead grateful dead banner maybe the billy joel billy banner, joel probably yeah but, yeah uh, so sad but also part of me feels like Kate Murray. That's your legacy. Not our problem anymore. No, if you're not on the fan, not our problem. Ed, you got one more for us? Uh, yeah, and I want to squeeze in a little extra one in for Trotty A19 because I told him I'd, I'd bring this one up. Okay. All right, so first, uh, second to last question is from Coach Lambert. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> Are the Devils going to run away with the Metro? The Gets heater they're on right now is unbelievable. I love that question, actually. I just want to bring up that in I had a thing about Lindy Ruff and how yeah they haven't yeah. lost since right right yeah Good. that was funny always known as a classic I 
great of the Devil fans to chant sorry. And you know, saw that they chanted sorry, Lindy. Did they? Yeah. That I didn't see. Yeah, That's so, awesome. So at the first awesome. game, they, they stunk up the joint. It was probably right before we did the show. Right. And it looked like another tough season. And they were saying fire, Lindy. Yeah, yeah. Now they win 8, 10, whatever it is in a row. And the fans the other night, as they were beating Phoenix during the whole third period, were chanting sorry, Lindy. And That's Lindy, awesome. Good on and them. And Lindy uh, was asked about it. He said, I accept their apology. <laughs> That's fantastic. Yeah, good stuff. Go ahead. So are they going to run away with the Metro? I'm going to say no. I think that they will eventually come back down to earth. I think the question is just how much they fall back down to earth. I think that they're one of these, I suppose, new era teams where where they have a lot of young legs, a lot of young talent. Jesper Brad is, is fantastic. And I think that they're a team that's going to be a contender in that division without question. It's just a matter of when they get it all together. I've compared them to the Rangers in, in, in past shows, and I think that's the trajectory they're taking where they finally, you know, built through the draft. They're going to have a, a good up-and-coming team. They're getting goaltending now. We'll see if they still do. But I think that they're absolutely going to be in the mix now for a playoff spot. Whether they stay at the top of the division, they still need to show me more again. Only, what, 14, 15, 16 games into the season. So we'll see. But whether they whether they do this year, they're going to be a team that's going to be towards the top of the division in in the coming years. They have they have an excellent young team, and they're going to be a pain in the ass for the New York Islanders. Yeah. The only thing I would add is I, I don't think anybody's going to run away with this division. I think that's a good point. Which was one of the reasons why we believed in the Islanders, um, and I I'm happy for the Devils. Like I, like, sure. I, like like it's it, they are fun to watch. They play the right way. They have high-end youth and speed. You know, that was a rough one at UBS that they took it to him. But no, I don't see him running away with it. But but good for that. Right on. Uh, Ed, you said you had one more? Yeah, last one. Not least from Trottier, 19. New segment. Oh, boy. <laughs> Who is the zero of the week? My you know, choice is Wallstrom and Bo. That's funny. Uh, Trottier, 19. I don't know how long you've been listening to this show. For years, since since high school. I, I'd love to hear that. That'd be great. But when t- Tony Stabile and I used to do the show, yeah. we used to do a hero of, uh, sorry, a zero of the week when they had a bad week, when there was just no heroes to choose from. There was just oh. nobody. And we used to do a zero of the week, and we would pick somebody like an Oliver Wallstrom or Anthony Bavillier who, who's had a rough week. But but Christian and I decided to take the, the show in a more positive light. And so we eliminated the zero of the week. So even when the Islanders suck... We, we we reach really far <laughs> for some sort of hero each week. So, Trottier, I appreciate you bringing that up. That's pretty funny. But, uh, yeah, the zero of the week has not happened in a long time. And a little history lesson for me. There, there you yeah, go. I, yeah. I, I didn't Thanks. know that either. It's, I mean, I, it's a somewhat of a fan-driven show and op, you know, a positive-leaning show, mm-hmm. uh, except when I get in my moods. <laughs> and uh, sometimes, and uh, so I'm, I'm, it's impossible. It's like, Tony, it's uh, just possible for me to picture that. Uh, and also, like, I don't, like, I guess he's serious, but, like, no matter what, <laughs> this comes back to, like, something Tom Coughlin used to say. He was a coach of this team called the Giants. Like, football heard of them. In, yeah, in heard New of them. Jersey. Yeah, and they won a couple of uh, Super Bowl with him. Mm-hmm. He, he, you know, sometimes they would win these games against bad teams, 6-3, you know, be tough. And, and the media would be asking him tough questions. And he'd be like, guys, we won. We move on, like, right. like you win yeah. or you lose, and, mm-hmm. and he's just like, I, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna rate this win or, and the Islanders won three out of four this past week, exactly. In, well, three actually, kind of in spectacular, fun fashion, not the way you draw them up necessarily. So you know, 
like how far have we come? The, the, the bar has been raised. It's it, been raised. It's, that's the thing that I wrote, you know, <laughs> 80 times toward the end of Garth's era, uh, leading into the Lou one was like, the bar's got to be raised around this freaking place. And I guess it has because they won three out of four and we're getting requests for who's the zero of the week. There you go. So uh, <laughs> I won't be coming back anytime soon, but the question is appreciated. And before we wrap up, which is something we have to do, I did get a, a question on Twitter from a uh, great Twitter handle here, by the way, Michael. At am I crying? <laughs> I hope I hope you, I hope you're done crying. But if you could pick one player from the Islanders' past, not a retired number, that you could add to this current team to give them the best chance at a cup this year, who would it be? Best chance at a cup. Wow. Yeah. Um, hmm. Who's going to fill their biggest need to get that Stanley Cup this year? You know, it's funny. You know, the, the, I got a name. Okay, go Zygmunt Palfi. <laughs> good. You know, I, I very good. I was thinking my initial reaction was an offensive defenseman. I mean, like a you know a fox. Huh, so like okay. A, but in uh, so we obviously Dennis's numbers retired, and then you get into other guys. You know, plenty of guys who were good, mm-hmm. but you wouldn't necessarily say such a huge upgrade over what they have. So it would be like it would be really splicing hairs to pull out a name like Tommy Johnson, who was good mm-hmm. on their cup teams. Mm-hmm. And, People like that, uh, um, yeah. So, Ziggy, Buffy, you know, if you're for the goal scoring, he would be that deadly scoring yeah. threat on the wing that they. Sorry, are Oliver. You know, as much as we've stood up for you, and <laughs> still waiting, you're gonna <laughs> be a waiting. healthy scratch because. Coffee's coming. The so we're on, we're on the same page there. Yeah, it's a great choice. Great okay, choice. there you go. So, folks, that'll do it for questions, Bruin. Really appreciate the questions and you guys tuning in live. And that's going to do it. So, Edzo, do us all a favor and cue that outro music. All right, folks, want to thank a big, big thanks to Andrew Gross and Newsday for joining us tonight. Always gives us a great spot. Big friend of the show there. And, of course, want to thank our sponsors, Blue Line Deli and Bagels at 719 West Jericho Turnpike in Huntington. That is their flagship location. Check that out. Remember, you can go in there and get the Half Price Hero, which is the Mr. Ledecky just mentioned, Hockey Night New York, and you're all set. Also, a big thanks to Lost Farmer Brewing Company located at 63A 2nd Street in Mineola. Always a great time at the tap room over there. A lot of fun events, live music, Bino tournaments, which I just learned about and talked to you guys about last week. A lot of fun going on over there. On the social aspect, Chris Botta. You can follow him at Chris Botta NHL. You can follow myself at Shawnee Hockey. You can follow the show at Hockey Night NY on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. And, of course, remember to rate, review, and subscribe if you dig what we're doing here at Hockey Night New York. Remember, we're also on YouTube for the archive shows, so subscribe over there so you don't miss a show. Chris, it's been a pleasure. For Chris Botta. My name is Sean Cuthbert. We've been Hockey Night in New York. Jay, Ed, always a fantastic job back there. Thanks a lot, fellas. We're going to see you all next week. 